You're listening to The Real Estate Sessions. I'm your host, Bill Risser. Listen in as I interview leaders in our industry, getting their stories and their journeys to the world of real estate. Hi, everybody. Bill Risser with another bonus episode of The Real Estate Sessions podcast. Yes, back-to-back weeks with bonus episodes. This one is an really elite lender panel in the uh, Florida region, the West Coast. I've got Jane Floyd with NFM Lending up in Tampa. We've got Tammy Bolt with Homeowners Financial Group in St. Petersburg and Julie Scott with Movement Mortgage down in Fort Myers. And they are going to share their knowledge about what's going on in the mortgage industry today through the pandemic and really some some important information about just overall, how does the mortgage industry work, no matter what the the market looks like or whatever the conditions are. I think it's a great takeaway for realtors to listen to this bonus episode and understand, you know, to get a, like a look inside at some of the inner workings of the, the lending industry. So let's get started. I have the, the numbers of years in total. We're not going to identify anyone in particular because I've learned my lesson over the years. But we, on this panel, we have 65 years of lending experience, 22 in broker work, broker work, 20 in bank work, so more specifically Bank of America, and 23 years in correspondent lending. I think that all adds up to 65. Yeah, it does. So we have a lot of knowledge here and, and this is going to be, we're really going to try hard to not just ask a question and pass the mic. In fact, the goal here is for me to throw out a topic and we all get to sit in and watch a lender mastermind in operation where they're just discussing it. So once we've discussed it, we'll throw another topic on the table. And I'm hoping you'll do the same thing. If you will throw questions into the chat, I'll definitely watch those and monitor that. And so let me start by introducing them. We'll start with Jane Floyd. Jane Floyd is with NFM Lending. And Jane has been in the business um, over 20 years. I've met Jane through, uh, through our Tampa operation. She's based out of uh, Tampa. Jane, welcome to the panel. Thank you, Bill. Now, I asked you all for a little bit of homework. I wanted you to bring with you one book to recommend to our viewers. So, Jane, what's your book? Bill, can I please, please give two? Sure. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Start, starting early. It's starting early. All right. All right. I could not decide between two because you said four realtors. Right. So, the top right. two books I recommend, um, one is Ninja Selling. Um, which I know a lot of the agents are studying right now. Um, and it's basically about by Gary, uh, uh, Larry Kendall bringing value to your clients. And the mm-hmm. other one, Bill, is People Equals Profits by Rick Ruby and Rita Casey. That is also about value, but basically teaches these agents how to make more money, save more money, and give more money. Playbooks of how to, how to do real estate the right way. See, next up, we'll go by uh, years in the business. Next up, we're going to go down south to Fort Myers. And Julie Scott is joining us. Julie is with Movement Mortgage. And uh, Julie was one of the two on the panel that spent some time with Bank of America. So got that banking background, which I think is so critical. Julie, welcome to the panel. Thank you. So homework. Um, I think I think I was talking to you earlier. I think you stuck with the one book, right? Yeah, yeah. I, okay, um, good, I follow the rules. Thank you, Jane. Okay. <laughs> oh, but, um, Usually I am a yeah. rule follower. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the one book I would say is The One Thing by Gary Keller and uh, Jay Papasan. And yeah. it's just 
simple truths behind crazy results. Just, just yeah. you know, focus on the most important task in front of you. You know, in this in this crazy world, we have so many things pulling our attention, and you know, we all have a little ADD. So, just really focusing on simple things will give you good results. Yeah. Great, great, great book. I love that. And finally, we have Tammy Bolt. Tammy is Tammy is with Homeowners Financial Group based out of Scottsdale, Arizona, which is uh, where uh, Tammy and I, we didn't really know it at the time. We're both in Scottsdale at the same time. Tammy is now running the operation in St. Petersburg, Florida. And Tammy is also someone who spent some time with Bank of America. So we've got, like I said, I love having a broker and Jane Floyd and the two bankers uh, with that background. So we've really got a, a nice diverse panel. Um, Tammy, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Hopefully, I'm, I'm not muted and I'm doing well. So little, Everything's little perfect. Technical Thank difficulty. You. Sorry. We're, we're all good. And, um, and if I can get your book for the uh, listeners. Yes. It's called Atomic Habits by James Clear. It's just really an approachable way to look at your habits, your existing habits, and how to change them which I think that during this time, we've all needed to change a lot of our habits. And it's just an easy read that um, just common sense things to be able to change some of those habits that we're, we really need to change right now. Wow. Yeah. And, it's, it's, and we have the opportunity to do that right now. That makes perfect sense. I love that. Cool. So let's get started. I, I've, um, I, I want to throw out some topics and I'll pick someone to start the conversation. But I the first thing that comes to mind when, when we talk about the lending world and what we're going through today is I wonder what it was like when you knew this was going to be um, trouble. Like what, when was that and, and what did it feel like at the beginning when we started this off? So uh, Tammy, I'll let you kind of run with that one. And, and Jane and, and Julie, jump in as, as you see fit. You know, it, it's kind of funny because for me personally, it started, we had this huge rate drop at the end of February. And it's when we were just starting to hear the rumblings of this pandemic. And so we were getting phone calls and emails and clients wanting estimates. It was like drinking from a fire hose that was happening so fast. And just as fast, we're then facing, oh, you've got to work from home now. You know, everybody needs to be safer at home and figure out how to do that as you're drinking through this fire hose. And then it suddenly changed to, you know, the changes in the environment were causing lenders to need to change guidelines. And they were changing sometimes multiple times in a day and then reversing back to how they were. And so you have these pre-approvals out there and you just suddenly realize I'm in a whole different world right now. And those lenders that we used to look as competition are now our allies because we all just want to take care of our clients. And so some of us weren't changing as fast as others. So we started to reach out to those lenders that we used to look at as competition. And now we're all just working together to make sure clients are taken care of. Um, but again, it was that safer at home and everything just piling in all at once. So you realize that, wow, this is different. Yeah. And I'll just say, um, I think all of us were in the market during the crash in 08. You know, so my initial response was, oh my goodness, do I have enough money in savings? Am I going to be able to survive? The mortgage, you know, the real estate market is going to dry up. And that lasted about a week, you know, and then we quickly realized this is not a, a housing crisis, you know, and in fact, there's news today about how, you know, mortgages are up 9% over last year. So we are definitely not seeing that. So after about a week, you know, as long as I made sure, you know, my family was safe, everything was good as far as, as far as that, then 
I kind of got excited because there's just so many opportunities out there. And, um, you know, similar to 08, I think it will weed out people, whether it's mortgage or real estate, you know, that maybe shouldn't be in the business. But in general, um, you know, it didn't, my fears didn't last long. We're, we're still funding loans. We're busier than ever. I'm sure Tammy and Jane can attest to that. And uh, <laughs> so that's, that's my take on it. Pretty much um, what echo what Julie said, it was about a week period uh, that I really thought the faucet was going to turn off. I remember going from, you know, getting 15 leads a day to one. And then I thought, okay, you know, deep breath. Um, but again, going through this in, um, in 08, 09, understanding the difference and then just how fast, basically, I mean, all of us as correspondents dealt with on the back end that a lot of people didn't know, didn't know what was going on with um, margin calls and warehouse lines, which like I remember back way back and not understanding like when I was a broker not being able to fund a loan and I, I couldn't get through that that through my head how could that possibly happen but uh, a warehouse line gets pulled you can't move you can't sell the loan because nobody was buying for that very short period right um, and so anyway all of that got worked out very quickly government stepped in and so again I mean mortgage apps are up you look at the stats I mean we are all so busy right now with purchase business. We, we couldn't be happier. You talked about the government stepping in. Boy, I've watched a lot of different panels, a lot of different lender presentations, and the word forbearance, which definitely has a foreboding <laughs> tone to it, is, um, was a, is something that, that was really needed by millions of Americans uh, with unemployment ranging from 15 to 20 percent, depending where you are in the country. A lot of people needed this help, the ability to, well, let's call it postpone mortgage payments. But it definitely comes at a cost. And for you, for the three of you and in, in what you do for a living, I would love for you to talk about that. Explain, you know, what 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 realtors should know about forbearance. So when they're talking to consumers, they're they're speaking intelligently about it. So Bill, and when I alluded to what 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 happened is when and and they had to offer forbearance, right? And I think the stats don't quote me exactly, but anybody could apply that thought they needed it. And I think only about 40% of the people that applied and got it executed on it and really took forbearance. However, so what happened originally, what, seven, eight weeks ago, let's say we, we all closed loans. Well, these were, and then COVID happened so fast. These are people that may not even be making their first mortgage payment. And so that's what happened that made that an unsellable loan. Fast forward, um, under the CARES Act, the forbearance of a person right now could apply for up to six months of forbearance, whether they take it or not. However, if they need it, the, after six months, they can extend it for 12 months. And so how it's affecting us is that if a person is in forbearance, they're, they're obviously not going to get a mortgage. However, if they applied for forbearance but never took it, it's still showing on the credit report, but it's not affecting their credit score, nor is it supposed to affect their credit score. Now, if they did, let's say they they were furloughed uh, after closing, took the forbearance, as long as they've made 
three payments, they can now get a mortgage. So meaning like people wanting to move now, um, people wanting to refinance. And then I think what's helping a lot of people, um, as opposed to to the last last time, um, everybody just went into short sale, right? I think we have a lot more equity in properties, but there's several ways if somebody is in forbearance and they cannot make the payments, the lenders will work around either. Um, obviously, I, I always think it's kind of crazy. If you couldn't make the payments for three months, I don't know how you're going to catch up three months with just going back to work, but that is one option. Otherwise, they're working out payment plans, you know, adding it and, 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 and they're tailoring it to every client's personal situation, or they're even modifying the loan. So if you have someone that absolutely just cannot, um, they can start making their payments, but they can't, they can't afford uh, to make a higher payment. So they'll add that onto the end of the loan bill and they can, they can extend that loan for say six months. And in some cases they will even talk about modifying. So you look at if, if from a lender standpoint, if you have someone that can't even make their mortgage payment, Rather than them going into short sale or foreclosure, the lender would rather work with them and literally modify it and may even reduce principal to that to that loan. So a lot going on, but the good news is, is that it's not supposed to affect credit. Um, however, we as lenders, when we see it on the credit report, we have to prove that either they've been making payments um, or they never get, get it removed from the credit report. To piggyback on that, so the important thing for realtors to know, and really any, anybody that has a loan, is you know if you do decide to go into forbearance, it, it can affect your ability to to refinance or buy. So I have some realtors concerned that they have a property listed and the new buyer is selling an, another home, you know, to to purchase that one. Well, if that loan was in forbearance, they may have an issue getting a mortgage to buy the new home. So just anybody realtor borrower, you just need to be very cautious of that. From what I haven't personally experienced this, but from what I've heard from several people, our servicers are just almost calling, sometimes calling borrowers and basically, hey, let's put you in forbearance. There's nothing wrong with that. Not they giving are. them all the information. I had a realtor call me. I did her personal loan and she called me and she was very upset because um, she was going to do the forbearance thinking, you know, no harm, no foul. And they would not send her anything in writing. And then she started researching it and realized that it's not necessarily a good thing. You know, unless, of course, you absolutely cannot make your mortgage payment. Obviously, it's more important to feed your family than to make your mortgage payment. But if you can make your mortgage payment, do not go into forbearance. That, I think, is the most important point there. Yeah. You know, when we first first started happening, you know, everybody would say, I pulled a credit report and it has the F word on it. So it became the (laughs) F word. And as, but again, it was one of those moving, changing, how do we handle this? Where before it was a dead stop. And we've learned now, okay, they've realized what they did by allowing that to happen. And now it's not such a bad F word, especially if somebody did to either request or not request the forbearance, but it's showing up on their credit report. As long as they've continued to make those mortgage payments, we'll document that we're fine. We can move forward. But before Literally, I'm sure that Jane and Julie will agree it was that F word on there. Oh, stop. I got to throw in Barry Habib's name right here. It seems like he might have had some play in this. Is that is that true? Like he he went to, 
either a collaborator or somebody, you know, at the government and said, look, you're, you understand what you're doing here and we need to kind of correct this. Can you, can any one of you kind of address that or talk about, first of all, how important this guy is to the industry. I think everyone on this, on this uh, webinar should probably um, start following his stuff, <laughs> but who wants to take that one? I'll just start it a little bit. Um, first off, I'm a big Barry Habib fan. I kind of stumbled into the mortgage industry when I started in 2002. And um, that's how I learned the ins and outs was by watching Barry Habib and reading his stuff every day. But yeah, I mean, he, and he'll be the first to admit, you know, he has opinions on people when they're making decisions without understanding the full impact they're having. And that's exactly what happened. Um, but uh, you know, I'll defer over to Jane because I know that she knows a lot about it as well. No, it it it's the truth. It's just those unintended consequences. They you know they're 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 trying to help, but not understanding. Yeah, and the, and then what? Right. So like with the servicer, with people not making their payments, but that servicer still has to make that payment to the investor. So that that was a problem. But now Barry, I I gosh, twenty nine years been a follower. There's there's nobody I hide. I hold in higher regards um, than Barry from a from an industry expert. Yeah, Barry Sorry, Habib, I, MBS Highway for the realtors that mm-hmm. want to look it up. So yeah, yeah, it's worth a follow. Yeah, I, I've started following his stuff, getting his uh, his his emails. It's really a a great takeaway for this for the group. Other conversations that, that are happening out there. Let's go like the National Real Estate Post. You know, Frank and, and Brian. They're kind of crazy, and they get they get a little opinionated, but they 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 have some good information. Housing Wire is another really good resource that um, that that I'm sure all of you pay attention to. But I, a friend of mine, Jeff Chalmers, who's a lender in Boston, would send me these screenshots of these radical like ebbs and flows of like this chart. And I go, wow, what is that over a year? He goes, no, Bill, that's the last two hours. I'm like, what? And so try to explain, because as agents, you know, um, realtors are dealing with their biggest asset and all that emotion and all that, you know, sometimes logic isn't as important (laughs) as it should be. But you've got to be there doing the same thing, talking to these people, but behind you, these things are are crazy stuff happening behind you that you have no control over. Talk about that process and how do you, how do you work through that? As far as program changes and just the constant right. changes that are going on, that's one thing um, that I just want to make sure every realtor was aware of if they have not is it's, it's constantly changing right now. Now, in my opinion, the news that I hear, it's not as bad as, as, it, as it comes out to be. You know, lenders are still lending. We still have programs for for your standard buyer, but what has happened with all of this because of the high unemployment and all the uncertainty of what's going on in the economy are some of the high-risk loans have gone away or become much less available. So um, I know we'll talk later about Jumbo, but some of your non-QM, so if somebody didn't didn't fit into your standard government-insured agency loan, then um, some of those programs have become harder to come by, like let's say your bank statement loans. But, um, and every lender is going to be a little bit different with this. So every lender has set kind of their own criteria. But what I've found in general is most lenders have raised their minimum credit score. You know, for us, it's 620. I'm sure it's similar for Jane and Tammy, Um, you know, where we used to be able to go down to 580. You know, that's temporarily gone away, but it's only temporary. And I tell people, 
you know, talk to your lender. If you have some credit issues, they'll work you through it. And then in a month, six months, however long it takes when um, the lower credit scores come back, assuming you're still in the lower credit score category, um, you know, you'll be ready to buy something. You know, for us, construction loans went away temporarily, also um, the down payment assistance. So we're still lending, you know, and we're still going to talk to the borrowers and kind of um, guide them on what they need to do. But just, it's a little bit different. Some of those, like I said, the higher risk loans have, have gone away temporarily. For me and um, um, I, I think for both Tammy and Julie, so it's, that sounds like a lot, everything that Julie said, oh my gosh, all of that's gone. But those quote non-QM programs for the majority of lenders, that is a small portion of, of what we do. So the conventional, the, the govies, even though um, the credit risk score requirements are higher, they're, they're still out there the like rehab loans literally and and so like with a rehab loan i had one like cleared to close like i've been working with this past client and when this is where when you say on a day-to-day basis all of a sudden you get an email boom we're not doing them anymore and we're and we're not even the investor we're not even closing what's in the pipe that caused a lot of stress. Um, fortunately for my company, and I'm sure Tammy and Julie's, we honored that. It cost us a lot of money, but we closed that loan because there was no buyer for that loan. Um, so all of those bank statement, you know, all of those loans, in to the best of my knowledge, are gone. Government loans, um, same. Used to be able to go down to a 580. Uh, now. Actually, there are brokers out there, which I don't know about you guys, but we signed up to, to, to just to have that outlet for our, our few borrowers to be able to do those loans. Again, we're all, we're, every one of us are, are at hitting records with closings and I mean, and, and, and applications coming in and it's all purchases. So that was just such a small portion. I don't know if you wanted to jump into the, the jumbo right now or if that was a whole nother topic. That's one thing that dried up really fast at the beginning. And a lot of it is because of liquid, you know, banks are, are the type of investor that do jumbo loans because they're not sold to Fannie, Freddie, FHA, VA. So they're a little bit different. And there are guidelines surrounding that. It takes up liquidity reserves that a bank has to have. And so they dried up because everybody reacted really quickly. They're opening back up. They didn't go away completely. Um, but you did see the availability for them to drop drastically. But what you are seeing is some of these investors that were great, like I loved Redwood Trust. We, you know, we process, underwrite, closed and funded for them. I mean, they were great. Unfortunately, they may be permanently gone. Um, they got hit really hard. And the gentleman who runs our capital markets is very close with them. And he gets emotional when he talks about it, actually. So, but there are other investors that are coming in to take up some of that market shares. There are some small banks that I specifically know of in Arizona that are actually took the template from somebody like Redwood Trust. So they didn't have to recreate those guidelines because it was a great product. It's just that Redwood kind of got caught in a bad timing. So they're definitely coming back. They're not where they were. Um, it does remind me of back in the two, 2008 timeframe where there was a period of time where jumbo rates were better than conforming and then it reversed. And that's yeah. just, we saw jumbo rates were better than conforming and now they've reversed. So, but you know, so jumbos are coming back. 
not everyone has everything, but it's one of those things that we're in the market in that we refer out to who we know can do it. But also there's those piggyback loans are still there too. Those that um, that's still the best rate and they can do that piggyback funding home equity line of credit for that second to keep it below that jumbo. But they're coming back. It's one of those that zigzag coming back and forth. It's any given day it changes. As a as an ex-closer, Chicago Title and Phoenix, you mean two loan packages at a closing again? Oh, no. <laughs> All right, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Julie, what, what's your take on jumbos? I mean, you're in a market, obviously, Fort Myers, right on the beach, so... Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't, I'm not a, a huge in the jumbo market, okay. but, um, you know, just to kind of say what Tammy was saying, you know, this, this number one has brought lenders together. So if I can't do something, I'm going to find somebody that can do it. It's not all about just making a commission on it. It's taking care of the customer. So that's a good thing. And I know realtors are doing the same thing. Also, the news isn't that bad. Once again, like Tammy said, a program goes away. Well, somebody else comes out with it or... Maybe a program was gone for a week or, you know, maybe like with some of the down payment assistance, we still can't do those, but they will be back, you know, and in the meantime, we just figure out how to make it work. And that's the key with working with a good lender is they're going to do the right thing for the customer, figure out how it works. And, you know, if the customer's not ready to buy now, then they will we'll work with them to make sure they're ready in the future. So um, there's a lot of opportunity out there. And um, as long as people stay positive and, just um, are working with the right partners. There's a lot of opportunity. One other thing, Bill, um, and I was curious with uh, Tammy and Jane, since we're all in different markets, you know, when this did happen, my initial thought was, oh my goodness, all my borrowers are going to lose their jobs. Nobody's going to be able to qualify. And what I found is really, I've only had a few loans affected by it because here in Southwest Florida, we're such a huge second home market where we have a lot of retirees. So in fact, it's only increased business because I'm finding people are like, I'm not taking my money out of the market right now. I'm going to take advantage of these low interest rates for you know people that are retired or maybe would just normally pay cash. So I have not seen a lot of borrowers um, not be able to buy that, that could have before. And I was just curious if Jane and Tammy have seen the same thing. You know, what I'm seeing, especially this past two weeks, are those people that we pre-approved in January and February, they've all just come out of the woodworks. It's like they were doing kind of what we all felt at first, you know, kind of cocooning in and not doing anything. And now they're like, I'm buying. And um, it's a lot of activity for those that are taking advantage of the good rates and they know that life's going to go on and they're going to be fine. Are you getting phone calls from people up north who are like, where it really hit hard and they're going, you know what? You know, I know we've been vacationing a lot down south. Let's think about making that more permanent, maybe a little earlier than we thought. I would think that that's a part of what your boom in business is. I think between up up north um, and then also, Bill, coupled with, it's very interesting, the whole remote. Some companies are so old school. I want to touch, feel, see everybody every day. And I'm realizing how much more efficient we are. And so I'm hearing that from the DC area literally is like, there's no reason I can do my job. I've had to prove it to my company. So I think between coupled with those two up North and then being able to, to work remote uh, where we live, who doesn't want to live here? So yeah, I'm seeing a lot of that bill. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. And like right before this call, I just got off the phone with a um, ICU nurse in New York, in New York. I think she's in upstate, but 
it's terrible there. She's like, I have got to get out of New York. I'm moving to Florida as soon as I can. So I'm seeing, you know, we've always had a lot of people from the North, um, especially the Northeast want to want to move here, but I'm seeing it more than ever now. And just like Jane said, more and more people are working remotely so they can live anywhere. It's wonderful. And why not choose Florida? <laughs> right. Or, or downtown St. Pete, right? Uh, Tammy? That's right. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, that, that is something yeah. that, um, we're starting to see more of too as guidelines change and maybe we're making an exception on something to maybe do a little bit lower credit score than we are comfortable with. It'll go to something called committee and that's something they look at. They look at, okay, where do they work? Are they working in a job that could be performed remotely? You know, just to kind of boost up what it is they do for a living to, it's that comfort cushion. Is, is that just since the, uh, the pandemic started or was that around before that? Oh. No, definitely. Wow. Wow. That's great. I, you know, I, because I've been in the business 20 years and it's embarrassing to say, I'm going to assume other people are like me when it comes to what you all do. I know that there's bankers and brokers and correspondent lenders. Can someone explain to all of us in layman's terms, what that means, what each one does and what the differences are and maybe how they're similar. Who wants to take that one? Well, I could start it in my very, very layman's terms because embarrassingly enough, I'll admit it, and even as recent as 2013, I didn't know the difference. I'd only ever worked in a bank. I'd been recruited by a correspondent lender, but I didn't know what that meant. And so I confided in a friend because I was so embarrassed and how she explained it to me. And it makes still sense perfect sense to me. A bank, you know, they are, um, they're great, but they're very cookie cutter. They sell the Fannie, Freddie, VA, FHA, just like everybody else. Then there's correspondent lender. We are, um, which I am now, but I was a bank, correspondent lender. We sell the Fannie, Freddie, VA, FHA, but we're very much more relationship-based. We're more fluid. And, you know, we, just like a bank, we process underwrite, fund, close our own loans. A broker, which I've never been a broker, so I can only speak to what, you know, the explanation is they have many options to choose from, much like a a correspondent, because we can broker as well, but they don't process, underwrite, fund, and close their own loans. They're kind of relying on a, a third party to do that for them. But Jane can answer that piece much better than I can, the broker. Actually, Tammy, you did a you did a great job um, explaining. I I think one of the things with and I've never been a bank. I was a broker for twenty two and a half years, um, and I've just been a correspondent for seven now. All we do is loans, home loans. That's it. You know, we don't do car loans. We don't do checking accounts. We don't do any of that. So, you know, from a service and a control standpoint, to me, it's it's the it's the best. Now, as a broker, um, you don't know what you don't know, right? Because um, it's all I knew, and it was all I thought I'd ever know until I came to the other side. Um, we, even though I did process my own loans, everything else, every loan went was outsourced, right? So for me, having the the ability to talk straight to the underwriter and paint that picture, like I need you to do this loan. I need you to understand it and here's why. That, you know, and just just the the level of communication and and not having that 
all those levels, right? So it's me and then boom, I need something done. Whereas being a broker, I'd have to go through an account rep, then would have to go to a underwriter and then a head underwriter. So you know what? It's, it's, it's not, I don't, for me, correspondence the best, um, and I, but I've never been I've never been on the banking side. And I think all my agents that have, I have agents that have been with me for 25 and some of them since I've been in, in business. And I think they would tell you the same thing because it's all about everything we do is about adding value to our realtor partners um, and then being able to service the clients. And what I've been able to pull off being a correspondent, I was never able to do as a broker. Um, but Julie has been in, um, I think with Bank of America, right, Julie? So, yeah, yeah, no, you, you said it perfect. You know, I've never actually been a broker, but of course, working as a correspondent, we can broker out if we have kind of a funky deal. And just like you said, as a broker, you just do not have the control. You're relying on another lender and it's a little scary. It, it almost goes into a black hole and you're not sure what's going to happen unless, of course, you have a great relationship and you've worked with that lender for, for uh, many, many, many years. But as a banker, because I can I can speak about that as Tammy did, you know, the, the key is a banker, you know, a, a bank mortgage is only a small segment of their business. And, you know, prior to the crash in 08, I think everybody worked at a bank, you know, uh, loan office, there were tons of loan officers at banks. Then after the crash, you know, Bank of America, we can speak for that. You know, they had so many lawsuits, so much red tape, and they really retracted and almost you felt as if they didn't want to do loans. Um, and then today, it's kind of the same thing with many of these banks. You walk in and you're either calling somebody on an 800 number or you're dealing with a personal banker that opens checking accounts and really does not know what a debt to income ratio is. So, um, you know, that's why, yay, correspondent lenders, right? <laughs> Not a full education, Bill. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, look, I love that the relationship word came out, right? That that you felt like at a bank it was follow the rules, don't go, don't even think about coloring outside the lines because that's not going to work. Whereas now all three of you have this ability to, um, as you said, Jane, paint a picture and say, look, this is why this will work. Um, I love that. I think that's great. Now, we have a couple of questions coming in, so I'm going to hold them till the end. But if you've got questions for these three ladies, please put them in the chat or put them in the uh, Q&A and we'll get to them. Look, I've, it, I was saving this question kind of for the end because there was you know, some rough news that we had to go through with forbearance and things. But I love the fact that somebody who got into the housing market in, say, 2011 or 12, right? What, what's the highest interest rate they've seen in their career as a homeowner, home buyer? Is it like four or five at the highest, like crazy high? And now it's even lower. <laughs> so talk about rates and what's going on. And, and, you know, what do you see? Do we see these continuing on? I, I know it's really tough to pull out crystal balls on this kind of stuff, but I love your, in, your input because you're all dialed into this is, you know, for this, for this audience. Everybody anticipates they're going to stay low. You know, again, wow. Barry Habib, we he listened to him and what he is hearing and what he is seeing um, definitely, he thinks they're going to stay low. Yeah, I mean, I you know, when I got in the business, which was 1999, every morning, and I'm sure you, uh, Jane, at least, and probably Tammy can relate, we would get our rate sheet faxed over, you know, it wasn't on the computer, and it was seven and a half, seven and a half, seven and a half. It was always seven and a half. I um, mean, actually, it really didn't change much, not like today. You know, they, they really do change quite a bit, especially on the government loans, FHA and VA. 
Um, but yeah, rates are phenomenal. I mean, if somebody's got good credit and they're buying conventional, they're going to be probably in the low 3% on a 30-year. I mean, I think I've got somebody um, today that wants to lock in about 3%. So of course, it all depends on the buyer's situation and the type of loan, because government loans, FHA and VA, are going to be a little bit different. But yeah, rates are phenomenal. So I, like I mentioned earlier, people are taking advantage of that. I mean, you can't get much lower than 3% or the low 3%. And so, you know, we're not doing a ton of refinances right now, but, you know, we are helping people consolidate debt. That's a huge thing. So, you know, anything we can do to help better their lives. I mean, I've got some people I'm consolidating some, you know, high interest credit cards and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, realtors should definitely be using that if they've got buyers on the fence. I mean, the difference in their payment, if they were buying, say, a $300,000 house between a 3% 3% rate and a 4.5% rate is, is going to be pretty significant. So um, just definitely reach out to your buyers and make sure they are aware of those low interest rates. Somebody, somebody just posted uh, that they got their first loan at 12.5% and it brought back, I, I personally got my first <laughs> loan in 1981. I was still going to University of South Florida and it was a 2-1 buy down at 12.5%. Yeah. Two one buy down. Um, so obviously, every, everything that Julie just said and um, uh, rates are predicted to say low. What's kind of neat that I feel like because I think all of us really we look at ourselves more as you know advisors in in the industry, right? Like really looking at a we look the, the the client scenario, and when when we can take someone out of some debt. Um, that, that, you know, they may, and teach them how, you know, Hey, look at cash flow. Let's get you out of some of this debt that you may never be able to. It's just so rewarding. Um, and I also see, I work with several, um, financial advisors and if you're getting loans, like in the 3% range, why would you want to pay cash? I, I, I mean, I, I just, yeah. Why would you want to pay cash? At least take out some sort of mortgage um, and create your own arbitrage, right? So it's it's really fun right now. It's really fun. A couple of questions coming in. Let's see. Um, have, have lender guidelines been adjusted regarding the property since COVID-19? The question is, are there the collateral piece? Is there any, any, yeah. I, I haven't seen any restrictions. Uh, also another question. So, so what are the rates today? <laughs> we know it's just today. And we we'll just love go that. On don't, girls, don't we love that question? We love that question. I'll help it out. We're going to ask you several rates? questions to answer that question, Bill. Let's see if I can do this. <laughs> what are the rates today for uh, 720 credit score, 20% down conventional? What's your loan amount? What's your lock-in? Oh, uh, it's 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 three hundred thousand and a thirty-day lock, and uh, I need a thirty-year fixed price and a fifteen-year fixed rate. What what are the two rates? You you just your best guess. You know, right around, we're covering everybody. I think right about three point one two five with zero points. If you want to pay, you know, point two, you may get that three percent. But there's so many other variables, even than what you just named. Is it a condo? Is it a primary resident? Is it a second home? I mean, there's so many variations in there that, uh, you know, I, I always share the story that I had a client that once came in and wore a button and it said, "I'm more than my FICO score." And I was really new in the industry when he wore that. And so now I look at myself and I think 
I'm so much more than my interest rate. You know, like you were saying, we're advisors. We provide service. We're more than just an interest rate. Bill, I'm so glad you asked that question. Perfect, though, because it's yeah. that's the education, like, like, like why? And and so why is the interest rate the most important thing? And and Barry's got a great graph that we show people like, oh, let me let me just show you in the past 30 days, you know, where these rates have been. Because at the end of the day, if you're not on contract right this minute and ready to lock in, we we need to we need to look at the whole picture. So that's the range. Yeah. Yeah. That's the tough part. I I know. I remember you know, buying homes where it's there you it is this, do you think, I think I should lock. I think I should lock. That's such a, a conundrum for the consumer, right? Because of course they want the best of every world. If it goes down, it's all good, right? I'll get that one too. And you know, whatever, but uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, is, yeah. It, is it hard for a self-employed person today to get a loan in this market or are they okay right now? It is with the IRS being shut down. There are mm-hmm. with self-employed now, um, with the IRS still being partially shut down, depending on whether they have two years, whether they've filed 19, which everybody knows that most people know um, that that's been extended um, if we need those transcripts. So guidelines as far as qualifying haven't changed, but um, due to the IRS and then also proving that you're that, like, depending on the end back to like, we talked to a little bit ago, depending on what you do for a living, right? Um, mm. Like, for instance, I closed a nail tech like 30 days ago, but I had to prove by bank statements that she still had, even though she wasn't non-essential, they want to see you've still got income coming in. So so guidelines haven't changed, but there's just, the, it's that whole risk. Because again, they don't want to take, just because I've got, if I do have 19 tax returns and they qualify, but if they haven't made a penny since COVID started, that's a loan that's high risk to go into forbearance and then spiral down to everything that we talked about. Wow. You know, as I sit here and listen to the three of you talk, I, I talk to realtors a lot, right? And Every transaction is different. Like the, the house is different. The, the story of the consumer is different. Their family and their needs and all these things. And I think what happens when we think about lenders is, oh, you're all doing the same thing. You all got the same stuff. It's all the same. But every single transaction is its own thing. Nothing's a, nothing ever works perfectly into a, a platform. Even if the person's just going to be an FHA buyer and it's, you know, it's real standard their story is going to change how you have to interact and make that deal work. Correct? Correct. Yeah. So that's our big takeaway <laughs> for today is to understand that, you know, it's, it's a, it's a every single transaction, every single person you serve and help is different. And that they need Julie and Tammy and me and not online to do that. For them. <laughs> Click button, get mortgage. No, it's just not no. that easy. <laughs> All right. I love that. I love that. I love asking this question of anybody that I'm interviewing, whether it's on a webinar like this or my podcast. Um, and each one of you gets to answer this question and I'll let you just, whoever starts talking first gets to go first. But what, what, what one piece of advice would you give an agent today where we're at, you know, in this, in what you know, obviously things can change, but what you know today, what piece of advice would you give to an agent? I will tell you, and I said this about four times yesterday, anticipate movement and change in underwriting guidelines. And when you're working with those pre-approved borrowers, make sure that they have talked to their lender recently. 
maybe like today or yesterday (laughs) because things are changing that quickly. So maybe somebody that we did a pre-approval for in January and they had that 580 credit score, we can't help them now. Um, And they need to understand that it's not just Tammy Bold, a homeowner's financial group that can't help them, but it's also Julie Scott at Movement Mortgage, where before people would hop around, I'll eventually find somebody, but that could change you know, our our capital markets guy thinks that by August, we are going to be back in that mode where that's going to be okay again. But if you're looking today right now, my advice to any realtor is ask their buyer, when did you last speak to your, your lender? Good. Yeah, what I would say, not necessarily mortgage related, but um, communicate with your database. You know, obviously, you know, more and more people are at home, so they have more time to be on the internet. If they are considering buying a home, they may be moving around on Zillow or some of these other databases, and there's more opportunity for them to stray from you. Um, And obviously, we don't want that to happen. So just stay in front of your database, you know, and and since they're home also, they're feeling more isolated. They would love to get a call from their realtor just to check up on them. Maybe not even as a sales call, but just to, to call them and check up on them. But also, like Tammy said, if they were pre-approved, hey, you know, are you still looking? Make sure you, you give your lender a call and make sure there's no issues with your pre-approval today. So just stay in touch with your database. Tammy, I love what you said. And I also think with with you know, we're constantly, I think all three of us have um, the majority of our business is past clients and mostly realtors um, that we have relationships with, but some newer agents and maybe not as confident in themselves. In light of everything that is going on, you have a, you may have a borrower and they'll, they'll, an agent will say, Hey, well, you know, just, just, Go go shop it. <laughs> shop that rate online. We just told you how great rates are. I don't care in any good or service, you're always going to find something cheaper if you search long enough. So to save a couple hundred dollars when you when you have a relationship like this, um, it, it just it's I don't know about you guys, but the the save deals we get because somebody left us for a penny um, and then they come back because they don't close on time. You know, I just it we have have to be in relationships for the client. And then Julie, 100% agents, it kills me. I am big on, I, I do, I do 30 day calls, 90 day calls, one year call. I work my database and it's amazing how many agents, that's your gold mine. These are people that loved you. And um, all you have to do is work your database consistently by now, of course, videos, handwritten notes, having events and and the sky's the limit with success. I love those. That's awesome. That's great. I, I can't thank all three of you enough for doing this, taking time out of your day, getting on the prep call, doing all those things you had to do to, uh, to join us and, and really, I think, help a bunch of people understand uh, what, what you're doing, what, what, what it means um, and what it's looked like in the last few months. Thank you all so much for your time. Wow. We're honored. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Sessions podcast. To leave a review or rating, go to ratethispodcast.com slash RE sessions. You can also subscribe to the podcast at your favorite podcast listening app. Finally, you can go to the realestatesessions.com and subscribe to our email newsletter and be notified whenever a new episode is released. Mm-hmm.